the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. The news wheel is spinning and spinning once again. Welcome into the Spot Track Podcast. Brandon Kravitz here, along with the money man himself, Mike Janetti. Mike, it has been a whirlwind of a week for you. I am sure of it, especially with the way that it all started on Sunday night. So how have you come down from that experience inside of the Bills arena? Kind of feels like this is going to be the next iteration of Brady Manning, doesn't it? Right. Or, or anybody with Brady that, the, that there's just this Goliath sitting on top of the AFC that nobody seems to figure out how to get through. Even when, I don't know, that Chiefs team doesn't look like it should be this good. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and they yeah. find a way because he's kind of superhuman and just makes plays that gets him to where he needs to be. And I think um, if I put down real money this weekend, I'd be putting it on the Chiefs. I really would. Uh, you know, Lamar has not shown that he can overcome this kind of a situation. So uh, kudos to Mahomes, kudos to Kelsey for showing up, right? Kind of 10 weeks in- into a situation where we all thought he was in decline and should be retiring. He absolutely destroyed that Bills linebacking crew. And I think uh, we're up for a hell of a matchup in this championship series. So looking forward to Sunday for sure. I always think of the the Lakers teams with Kobe and Shaq as the the stereotypical we'll just sort of coast until we need to put our foot on the gas team. We've seen a few of those, but I whenever I think of that sort of team that mm-hmm. where the regular season really doesn't matter and they become a whole different Goliath in the playoffs, it feels like maybe that's how we should talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. It, the the regular season you just can't react to it as long as they have these Hall of Famers on their roster. No, and I, I actually think Andy Reid's a big part of that. I, I really do. I think he has been holding, you know, holding his tongue for weeks here, uh, holding back his playbook for weeks here. You can kind of see it, right? They know exactly what has to happen this time of year, especially when weather's a factor and maybe playbooks are limited. They just they're smarter than everybody else right now, unfortunately, and and they have the freakish athlete playing the best position in sports. So it's a uh, it's all it, they're fun to watch. I'm not going to sit here and say that wasn't a hell of a game to be at. It was. It was oh my great. god, was that was the, that was the game yeah. of the year. I think when yeah. you consider the personalities involved and the yeah. the magnitude of it. So what a spectacle yeah. you got to see. Mm-hmm. All right. So it, we'll we'll, uh, we'll touch on that again when we get to our quick hits. But let's get started with the biggest news of the day. Jim Harbaugh now set to become the next head coach of the L.A. Chargers. I've seen it's a five year deal. Has anything else come out about this? What details do we know as of right now for what the Chargers are forking over to get Harbaugh in the door? No, I've I've efforted to to find out what that number is because it has to be at least something near what Michigan just offered him, don't you think? Um, I, I have to think it was at least comparable to that. So if it starts at twelve a year, I wouldn't be surprised, and we go from there. You know, we've I think we have coaches in this league right now, and again, I don't know for sure. It's it's one of the more lock and key items in all of sports, financially speaking. But I do think we have coaches making over $15 million a year in the NFL pretty pretty easily in terms of bonuses and playoffs and things like that. So to say that he's probably in this conversation near the top of that list is probably not hyperbole. There were three or four teams all in on this guy. I think he, I think he took the best spot outside of maybe Seattle, which I think you and I both agree could be as attractive as this one. But if you're going to choose between LA and Seattle, I get it. <laughs> Well, and you're choosing, and if you want to look at it through the quarterback lens, Gino or Justin Herbert, I'll take my chances with trying to turn Justin Herbert's career around. So, yeah, not that this was any slouch of of a job, 
And I think he's the right guy for it. I, I believe from what I saw, it was about $11.5 million was the offer per yeah. year from Michigan. But one of the big sticking points, and this could be the reason why he wound up going to the Chargers, is he wanted immunity. Incredible. Any sort of... I and wasn't that, afraid to make that public. Like, no, make sure people know this. <laughs> yeah. I've, I am desperate to work that into my next contract with iHeartRadio. Yeah, I'll sign a new deal, but you can't fire me if I get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I'll <laughs> That's the dream. off the table here. No, it's amazing. Um, you know, I, good thinking- for, I say good for Michigan, though, because I, I'm assuming they yeah. didn't cave. And maybe that's the reason why he said, all right, well, never mind. It's not worth it. I'll go back to the NFL. I've seen some some rumors about maybe David Shaw joining as the OC. Could I mean, this just sounds phenomenal. It really does. Yeah. This sounds like an absolute dream situation, except for one thing. The Chargers are just the worst. They, they get our hopes up. This is just another version of we love everything about this. This could be this should be great. They're going to become, you know, they're going to supersede the Rams as L.A.'s team. It never happens. This is Clippers all over again. Right. The Clippers are one of the best teams in basketball. Somehow they're going to find a way to fall in their face. And LeBron and the Lakers are going to come back into our lives. That's I just feel like that's where we're headed with this charter situation. This feels too good to be true. But it, so yeah, some kind of offseason Justin Herbert injury, knock on wood, is probably going to happen and absolutely derail this whole process. But I, I love it. I, I love it, except for one thing. And I, I wonder if you'll give me some liberty to talk a little bit here because I've I spent some hours this morning over coffee actually writing about this charter situation. The roster is kind of a mess. <laughs> right like like i'm not even sure they the, the people there's no gm first of all you got to walk in and, and into a front office now and kind of understand that jim harbaugh is going to be making all the all the decisions but positionally speaking the the center is going to have to retire because of a heart condition they have no running back keenan allen's 33 i know he's great and he's already said i'm either here or i'm retiring <laughs> mike williams has yeah. a torn acl and a 20 million dollar salary Joey Bosa's got two years left, non-guaranteed, and he has not been great. Khalil Mack's on a contract year, and he's 30-something, even though he's been exceptional. Derwin James, two more years guaranteed, has not been an an elite safety. I'm just, you know, they already had to punt on J.C. Jackson on that gigantic contract. It's just kind of a mess everywhere, (laughs) like everywhere. Quentin Johnson is not yet a first-round wide receiver. You got to give that a minute, though. But it's just kind of a mess, and they have no tight end. So... You know, when you're talking about Harbaugh and what he can do offensively, I feel like they're going to go spend $400 million in terms of what they're going to do this offseason. You know, are, are they Saquon Barkley? Are they the top center becoming available in the offseason? The top defensive tackle? Are they going to trade one of Bosa or Mac? Maybe, you know, just to, just to sort of clear some of that up. And then what do you do at number five overall? Is it a, is it a tackle to, to supplant that situation, even though they've got two first rounders kind of on the bookends or are they going with Brock Bowers, right? And kind of make that's it a Kelsey. Be the move for them. I, I've heard that a million times and I love it, yeah. but that's just one position group that needs to be upgraded here. You know what I mean? So uh, I don't think we're done with the chargers for a while because I have a feeling that this could be like a Texas Rangers type blow the doors off of this off season just to account for what they've now done and not the situation they now put themselves in. So it's not like he's walking into a dream scenario. He's just walking into a really good quarterback who's already under contract. Everything else is kind of a dumpster fire right now. 
Well, I think for, if the anticipation is he's going to come in and he's going to have this team right in the conference championship, that's not realistic. You know, people are I talking the Super exact Bowl same thing. already, Brandon. Like, yeah. we got to we got to hold no. off a minute here. No. Like, this guy's going to have to take some time. So I want to. So I want to ask you about that. Is what kind of you said they go out and spend all this money? Do they have that sort of flexibility because they've spent big over the last couple of years? Big to keep or uh, or obtain some of these players. So will they have the ability to actually go out and revamp this thing on the fly? Or is this first year with Harbaugh all about rebuilding, fixing Justin Herbert, and then doing all of this in 2025? I mean, if you're... If you're telling me that negative 44 million of cap space is big, then, <laughs> and then you know, you kind of know where things are headed. They're going to have to take more pain just to get cap compliant, right? And, and that's what I mean. It's not as simple as saying, oh, we're just going to cap convert Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa and Keenan Allen. Those guys are literally 32, 33, 34 years old, respectively, right? Like, what are we doing here? You're not, you're not, you're, you're not just making these rash decisions to go all in in 2024. So this is a multi, multi-year process. It's why getting Harbaugh under under contract for five years makes sense. Not only does it align with Justin Herbert's contract from a guaranteed standpoint, but he, he's walking in saying, do not expect much in 2024 because we've got some huge decisions to make here. So they're, they're not in good cap shape. They're going to have to do some conversions just to do that. But, you know, you know I don't want to stop this from being somebody's getting traded here, you know? Somebody's getting traded, in my opinion, just to get themselves in a better situation and to get more draft assets to do this thing the right way. And if you tell me that all they do this offseason is add a running game and add a couple of offensive linemen, I would believe that because those are Harbaugh's bread and butter, right? That's how that's how he has literally made his living back in San Francisco and now and now up here. So or excuse me, with Michigan for years and years and years. So I would expect that to be the focal point here. Certainly the center position. You got to find Herbert, his next franchise center for the next eight years, in my opinion. That should be a priority one. And then I'd go out and get a whole bunch of running backs and restructure how this offense worked to protect Justin Herbert so that he's not just a sitting duck, even though you don't want to you know, deflate what he can do offensively. Um, but this is a multi-year offseason process. They don't have a plethora of cap space. And I, would, I wouldn't be shocked if there's a big time trade here coming right out the, at that March 13th, Adam Schefter trade bomb, right? That's something like Khalil Mack or Joey Bosa is on the move here quickly. I'm looking at Blake Corum's draft projection. Mm. I think maybe he could be the answer at running back. Just go the cheap young route and, uh, mm-hmm. and Harbaugh knows him well and he's projected to go day two. So yeah, yeah. nice cheap third round pick on Blake Corum and see if you can fix it that way. Yeah, offensive line and and running backs out of Michigan always hit. So if if he wants to bring a couple of those play those horses in right now to to kind of run his his offense, I'm all for it. But I, I just we got to stop talking about Super Bowl with this team because there's a yes. lot of work to do here. Even though they did maybe just land the best fish in terms of coaching to go with the quarterback coach combo that may exist in the league right now, there's, it's just going to take some time. In terms of the timeline of his contract, how much does this align to the success or failure? of Justin Herbert. Yeah, 100%. I don't know that there's a situation that doesn't anymore, but um, it's a big part of it, right? Because the, it's not just that Herbert's under contract. He hasn't looked great, you know, and we can blame Staley and we can blame some of the deficiencies of the run game maybe taking away from his ability to be balanced, but he hasn't looked great. 
he's completing 66% and 67% still. So he's an efficient guy, but I, I just think we need a little bit more out of him. Uh, and, and that's certainly job number one with Harbaugh. So five years fully guaranteed basically for her, for Herbert. And I would imagine it's five years fully guaranteed for, for Jim Harbaugh as well. And the, uh, the entire path and course of, <laughs> of the Chargers future aligns with those two players. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, look at the history of the quarterbacks Jim Harbaugh has worked with and yeah. Andrew Luck. And uh, I think he helped to revive Alex Smith in a big way. Mm-hmm. Colin Kaepernick, whose real, only real success was with Jim Harbaugh as a head coach. J.J. McCarthy, I don't think is a first round quarterback. I don't either. But draft don't either. people either. disagree, yeah. I guess. And yeah, he's had a lot to do with that. We, we look at Michigan and go, this is a ground and pound boring team with the that's led by their defense but this guy has done wonders for quarterbacks that's right and i think it's because he's balanced because he does attack first with the run he does figure out how to run an offensive scheme that can be run first which just protects the deficiencies of his quarterbacks and i think herbert has deficiencies you know and and people knew that during the time that he was getting drafted Uh, a lot of teams were completely out on him for a lot of reasons so I, i just think that this is a perfect marriage in terms of quarterback and coach but man, oh man, you know, I, there's a reason this GM spot hasn't been filled yet because I just think there's a hell of a lot of work to be done here, and you're going to be burning the midnight hours just to kind of figure out who stays, who goes, and and it's not as easy as just cutting a bunch of rookie contracts off here and starting over in the draft. You have to make some serious veteran decisions, and that's ugly. And you're gonna you're gonna rile up the fan base. You know what I mean? You're not going to be popular for the next 18 months with some of the decisions that have to be made here. Um, but you can certainly uh, turn that around with a couple of W's for sure. Yeah, you're assuming there is a fan base, but um, oh, <laughs> uh, sorry, Chargers fans. Uh, so I'll, real quick, before we move on from the hardball thing, you have brought up how cheap these owners are, the Spanos family. And I believe there was some hesitation from you that they would even move on from Brandon Staley because they don't want to pay for his buyout and all of that stuff, yeah. pay him to not coach the team. Not only have they done that, now they're going to pay Jim Harbaugh as much as any other coach in the NFL gets paid, most likely. Are you surprised by this? Yeah, for sure. Because of all the reasons we've we've talked about here, they don't have a big fan base, right? They are generally an, a, a visiting team spectacle. Um, they haven't gone top of the market for, in a lot of situations. They did so with Herbert, of course. Um, really in terms of guarantee structure, better than most of these quarterback contracts we've seen. So it does seem like they're turning a corner. It really does. The Bosa contract was big. The Herbert contract has been big. And now this head coaching contract, for all intents, and, and I'm assuming it's it's had to be big to land this kind of guy. So uh, maybe they're turning a corner. Maybe they understand that this is a situation that they just can't slow play anymore. Uh, maybe they smell a little blood with the Rams probably falling off here in a couple of years. Don't you think that after the Stafford stuff, they're going to have to start back over and Aaron Donald will retire. So maybe they just understand that they have a two to three year window here where, you know, you know, it's not dissimilar to what the Mets went through when the Yankees had their rough run, right? You can smell blood when the other, the other, the the team across town may be on the downslide. And uh, if we spend money properly, we can actually get ourselves into a situation where we can own the day. So it's, it's timing well, but I got I to gotta see it to believe it, unfortunately. <laughs> Man, you just nailed the sports team analogy, by the way. They yeah. are the Mets. I know. Oh, you wow. don't have to tell me twice, man. It's <laughs> <laughs> all off-season flash and predictions yeah. and nothing ever comes to fruition. Not even close. 
Yeah, uh, that is that is the that's the amazing thing too. It's not like the Chargers fall short. They don't even no. They don't even get to the finish line. And most years over. they're done by preseason. They have like eight, <laughs> six injuries in preseason, and, and all of our fantasy rosters are already blown up. So it's just a, there's a lot of pain. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so let's stay on the coaching front. I find it odd that the Atlanta Falcons are the only team that's interviewed Bill Belichick. There's a report that states that multiple teams are interested, but we really haven't seen that play out yet. So no. why the hesitation or lack of interest in arguably the greatest coach of, of all time with uh, and, a few and, openings. You got Seattle, the, Tennessee, Carolina, Washington right now. And, and I'll piggyback off that. I've seen some, some pretty credible uh, information this morning that Belichick may not even be Atlanta's favorite That's by crazy. any regards. So it's not only that this might be a one trick pony, I'm not even sure he's the favorite in that one area. So, and we talked about this. It doesn't really make sense to me. So I, I, I do think there's a real conversation to be had about if, if he actually has a landing spot, if there's actually a head coaching gig for him at this stage of his career with his four-year resume. I mean, this is not recency bias. This is a real thing. I mean, he, there are t- 10 years of drafting in New England to prove that maybe this guy just isn't right for this current modern game, right? That he's yeah. better in one area and that's defensive. And and I'm sure there'd be a lot of teams lining up for a defensive coordinator, but I'm not sure he's taking that. So I, I really do think this is a, this is an honest to God conversation now. Um, I don't think Atlanta makes sense for him, but if that's the only job offer, then I guess he's going to have to take it. Washington seems out on me. They're going to go young offensive mind. They're out. Uh, the fact that we've heard nothing in Seattle is super weird. And I don't know, you, you, you kind of talk to the talking heads more than I ever do. Uh, I've heard nothing about what Seattle's about to do here, and, and it's getting late. Geno Smith's contract guarantee comes up in like two weeks. So it's the rumor uh, right now, the guy that seems to be at the top of the list is Dan Quinn. Yeah. But, but if you're really? looking at Dan, this is why I don't understand it. And, and you and I talked about this at, either on this podcast or on my radio show. I know that I've thrown the question out at you. Is there a market for Bill Belichick? Just because I thought it was an interesting question, not because I actually didn't think there would be one. And yet right now it seems like there's not. But why would you think Dan Quinn, if you're going to go Dan Quinn, why would you just not get the better version of Dan Quinn, Bill Belichick? Yeah, I completely agree with that, right? It's not like Dan Quinn has a draft history, (laughs) right, that we can put up against Bill Belichick. Defensive coordinator. Right. You you know, and by the way, I do, I do, I do think the GM there, uh, is one of the better GMs in all the league, John Schneider. He, the way he handles contracts, the way he handles his guarantee structure, and his drafting history is good. It's strong. So there is a core there where maybe a play, somebody like Bill Belichick is just too loud, quite frankly, for, for that organization. So I don't want to say that, you know, without, without giving it some context. But, you know, Bill Belichick's not going to Carolina. I don't think he's going to Tennessee, although that's not the worst scenario for him, right? Outside yeah. of Will Levis. And maybe Russell Wilson, but I, I don't know. I, I, the the more weeks we go here, the the to me the the worse the outlook looks for Bill Belichick outside of Atlanta. And I, I think you've heard this too. I, I think this that's a situation where Arthur Blank wants Belichick, and maybe nobody else in that organization does right now. So it's dwindling. Things are dwindling. Yeah, uh, bizarre situation. Although we have seen, I I, I misspoke. The uh, the Titans have found their uh, their next head coach. That is Brian Callahan, who is the offensive coordinator over 
Uh, is it bad that we already forgot about it? It's probably bad. Yep. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, gotta go out and get Brian Callahan. Forget about the forget about Bill Belichick. But but I mean, literally, I Mike Vrabel and Bill Belichick may not have head coaching jobs in 2024. I don't think that's inconceivable right now. Vrabel has to be the coach of the Panthers. It's just too perfect. Yeah. It's too perfect. Oof. He has to that all that. All that franchise needs is somebody to come in and just inject some respectability and attitude. And that's exactly what he is. Okay. That's it. Get a good offensive coordinator to work on Bryce Young. But I feel like Mm -hmm. that one is such an obvious fit. So we saw a big shakeup in the NBA coaching world this week as well. Adrian Griffin is out. Doc Rivers is in. This Mm -hmm. league is crazy the way that they do these things. So I went back and I, I dug through the history of the quickest coaching firings in the history of the league. Would you like to hear a little history lesson before we dive in to uh, Griffin? So the only two coaches in the history of the league to be hired and fired quicker than Adrian Griffin were Jerry Tarkanian back in the 90s who went 13, uh, 9 and 11, excuse me, first 20 games. He got fired after 20 games, 9 and 11, and was having panic attacks on the sideline. So they (laughs) said, you got to go. And David Robinson was on the team. They had higher expectations. The other one was a guy by the name of Bob Weiss who coached the Seattle Supersonics. They started 13 and 17. They had Ray Allen and Richard Lewis on their roster. They had high expectations. You got to go. This guy was 30 and 13. One of these things is not like the other, Mike. Those guys were failing, having nervous breakdowns. (laughs) This guy I don't, I, that, so it doesn't quite fit. Maybe Giannis, is Giannis becoming that superstar? You know, he seems like such a nice, likable guy, but perhaps this changes the, the perception of Giannis. Cause I can't think you look at that record and say, we got to get rid of our coach, especially when you look at NBA history. Did you happen to see the, uh, on court antics from the bucks yesterday in the first game? Well, they, I watched the game, but yeah. I don't. I think I may have missed what you're talking about. I, I, I they mean, looked they were, great, by the way. They were bouncing around like kindergartners at school in the schoolyard. Uh, just seemed like the happiest group of of 25 year old men I've ever seen in my life. So yeah. clearly, they were they wanted it to be known that uh, they were not happy 48 hours ago, and now they are very, very, very happy. So I don't think I need to speak to that. I think that's pretty self explanatory. Um, I don't know. I mean, Doc's a player's coach, always has been, right? If we want to get to Doc Rivers here, I, I I don't even know what to say with Adrian Griffin outside of obviously the defense was bad. Guess what? Don't trade Drew Holiday <laughs> if you want to. If you don't want to have a defensive problem, yeah. right? I mean, don't set up a roster that can score 140 and give up 139 because that's what they did this off season from a roster construction standpoint. So I, I don't have any sympathy for that. You you have. You are laying in the bed that you made, in my opinion, in terms of how you built this thing from the offseason. And if Giannis doesn't like it, he, he shouldn't like it, number one. He's competitive as hell. So are we at a point now where he's mouthing off to front offices? Probably. I think he's, he, he's earned that right. Uh, so and that's probably why we're here, if I had to guess. And I guess good for them, because I don't think that team was going to win a championship with, with what I just laid out, defensively speaking. I also don't know that they can fix that. And what do we have? 14 days before the trade deadline? I'm not sure that's something you can fix in 2024. So we'll see what they can do. There's probably at least one move coming for this Milwaukee organization. But I don't think this current iteration plus Doc Rivers 
is that much of a change. I really don't, but they're certainly happier. So I'll give them that. Yeah. And, and I should say Giannis being the type of star that gets a coach fired. We've seen a lot of stars do that. Oh, God. A lot of the guys that are the most beloved in NBA history, almost all of them, really, if you think about it. Yeah. But what about the ones we don't even know about, thing. right? Right. Well, the, the ones that were kept quiet, you know, I, I'm sure that's, it's happening in most organizations in this sport because there's only five guys on the court. And if you're one of the superstars, you probably feel like you have a voice and you should have a voice. So I, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I don't think what Giannis has done here is incorrect. If there was a, a locker room issue, you you got you to gotta clean that up. I mean, the seasons are too long to have to deal with something like that and try to win. So I, I'm, I'm for this. I'm for this move. I'm for them doing it before the trade deadline, too, by the way. I think that's an important part of this. You give yourself a chance now to have a new a new set of eyes on whatever's available over the next two weeks in terms of that trade deadline. So timing wise, I give them credit. But like I said, I, I think it's a long shot to get to the finish line here. From a contractual standpoint, do they just work out some sort of prorated deal for Doc Rivers? Is that is that how this would work? Or if he was uh, an $8 million a year guy, then you just cut that in half and give him four for the rest of the year, something like that? Yeah, most likely that's what's happening here. I'm, I've I think I believe Sham's report of this thing is through 2026, 27 at about 40 oh. million total. So he's about a $10 million per year coach. So it's significantly more than Adrian Griffin was getting. I think he reportedly had 4 million a year. He's probably getting every dollar that was guaranteed to him uh, to walk away here right now. So you're talking about what, 14 million a year here for Milwaukee Bucks coaching over the next, not to mention whatever Budenholz are still making, right? But Bud's still got a buyout here at some point in time. Right. So. They're paying three coaches, three coaches right now. on the books right now in Milwaukee. And that's what, uh, that's what being in contention and not feeling like you can win the championship can do to you. All right, let's get to our quick hits to wrap the episode. We got some good stuff here. The hall of fame class of 2024 is set for baseball. Contractually speaking, who's the highest earner. I genuinely don't know this without looking it up. I'm, I'm curious to see what the, what the, what the gap would be between these guys, Adrian Beltre, Joe Maurer, Todd Helton, I'm sure all made some nice coin yeah. in their day, but who would rise to the top of the list? It's actually close. It's actually really close. Joe Maurer just surpassed Adrian Beltre, 223 versus 220, and Helton came in quite a bit under at about 164. So um, all of them had obviously phenomenal careers. Feels like feels like Beltre should have made more, right? I mean, he was yeah. one of the premier third base. Third, third basemen have been paid well forever. Uh, and he's maybe one of the best all time in terms of war and, and overall stats, 3000 hits, almost 500 home runs. Feels like maybe he was a little bit shortchanged when it all came down to it. But Joe Mara making 223 as a catcher for half of those seasons is insane. I mean, it's not even close to what the next catcher has made. It's Yadi Molina at 163. So we're talking $70 million between the number one catcher all time and the number two catcher in terms of money. So Mauer wow. really banked in on, on his career in Minnesota. So he's in the spot track hall of fame too. Oh right? yeah. Business right. hall of fame for catchers for sure. <laughs> That's great. I was shocked to find out he's only the third first ballot catcher ever. Yeah. The history of the game, Johnny bench, Padre Rodriguez, and now Joe Mauer. That is impressive. Yeah, it's super stud, like a, like a five-star quarterback coming out of high school. He yeah. was the absolute like poster child for, for Division One athletics and then obviously the number one overall pick in baseball. So probably chose well, don't you think? Do you think, do you think he makes more as a quarterback back in that day? I don't think so. What did he finish with? 220? 
223. I don't think he's making that at that time as a quarterback. Not at that time. No. Right? It didn't explode yet. So, yeah, I think he chose well. Although the career span of a catcher and a quarterback wouldn't really be all that different. That's Um, fair. But at least maybe he gets to walk away with some, you know, bad knees, but maybe a little bit better head situation. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Well, you know what we'll have to do? We got to find the quarterback that was at the top of the league during that time span and figure out what they made during Maurer's career. I like it. It was probably Brady, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's close then. It's close. I can look yeah. it up right now. Go ahead. Move on. And I'll, I'll okay. Give it All right. right now. And then I would think if you were to add in endorsements to quarterback paid more than catcher. So I'm actually starting to tilt the other way, but let's move <laughs> on. You can look that up while I ask you a question about Terry Rozier, who made his debut at the Miami heat last night, traded for Kyle Lowry and a first round pick three years from now. Yeah. Uh, that feels like you're just not paying much to get him, And that has, and now I'm starting to notice a trend here. Because I felt like the Pacers got Pascal Siakam on a really fair deal. I feel like the Knicks got OG Ananobi on a really fair deal. It just seems like this, this is a, if you're trying to get a player on the cheap, maybe this is the time to do it. I don't know why the market is so low on these players uh, that are moving ahead of the deadline, but uh, it seems like the teams that are making deals aren't giving up too much to improve their rosters. It's a couple things, I believe. Obviously, I don't have the exact answers here, and, and there are a lot of smart people out there that are probably assessing this as well, but it feels like things are correcting themselves a little bit here, Brandon. We've talked about some absolute monster deals, right? I mean, the Rudy Gobert deal, it's working, right? He's, he's playing well, but he'll never live up to that trade compensation. Donovan Mitchell will never live up to that trade compensation, right? And there's, you know, three or four others out there right now where the overpay was so ridiculous just to get a guy on board that I think the whole league is collectively coming down and saying, let's take a breath, right? Because we cannot, we cannot, first of all, we can't have an Oklahoma City situation ever again. I mean, what the, the amount of assets that they have is just going to become ridiculous with this, with how good they now are and what they can now do from a power standpoint. So I think the league is looking at that situation specifically and saying, we got to make sure that this doesn't happen. And also, Terry Rozier should not be treated like Donovan Mitchell, you know, and that was happening for a while. You were seeing just to get a guy in, you were seeing three first round picks get thrown around. So I I think there's a bit of a market correction, but also this with the play in tournament, with the way things are working with the tax aprons, I think teams want players as much as they want draft picks right now. Now, the drafts haven't been good. The 2024 draft looks like a you know a pile of dog poop. But I, I think teams actually want players as much as they do draft picks, which factors. So it's less about multiple first and second round picks and maybe, uh, maybe more about a balance of some picks and that player. I need that player on my roster because we are deficient in this area and we are not trying to mail it in right now. So it's an anti-tanking conversation. It's a we want to sneak into the play-in conversation. And it's just a market correction a little bit too, I think. So it's it's a combination. But to me, these seem fair, right? These The Siakam and the Rozier deals seem fair to me. But I guess that's why I'm that's viewing it as cheap because yeah. usually yeah. it's not fair. When you're getting the player, you give up way too much in yeah. order to get them. And it seems like this is the way deals... Yeah, maybe that's the way to perceive it. But we're so, I'm so used to like... I just looked up the Gobert deal, Gobert deal while you were breaking this down to remind the audience here. Oh, my goodness. The Timberwolves received Rudy Gobert, one player. The Jazz got Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Walker Kessler, Jared Vanderbilt, 
four first round picks and a pick swap in 2026. It's insane. That's mm-hmm. for a big man for a big, that's for defense. That's for defense. Yeah. Okay. That's all that was. Um, there's no question that what's happening this year is different. I, I do think the 2024 draft has something to do with it. I really do. I mean, it's not like anybody's, you know, dying to get up up high in the 2024 draft right now. So I, I, I think that's part of it, but also, you know, with this one specifically, getting Kyle Lowry off your roster was a big deal. That, that was a big deal to Miami right now in, in terms of the roster spot, moving off of that cash, working on some tax, luxury tax situation stuff that Keith Smith has broken down on Track for us. But you're right. There's no question that these trades are not blowing anybody away in terms of what the compensation is right now. Maybe that changes with something like Zach Levine in the next couple of weeks, but I don't think so. I really don't think so. I think they're going to continue to be decently fair market moves as long as the right two teams are involved. Which could mean that we see a lot of moves at the deadline. Yeah, so that's good right. for us. Great write-up over at SpotTrack.com. Dak Prescott carries a $59 million cap hit into 2024. Can you give us a little tease before people head on over? Uh, what are the Cowboys? What can the Cowboys do here? Yeah. What kind of option? Yeah, that's have? what I'll do. Is I'll, I'll give you the options that I broke out, right? Which is do okay. nothing. Just ride out that cap hit, which would be kind of bonkers. And I gave you some numbers as to why. Um, do a small conversion on that on that base salary and just kind of play checkers a little bit with this, with this whole conversation and drop that cap hit for this year, but don't extend them. Do a full conversion, which is get yourself into just absolute literal cap mess in 2025 if this contract has to void. I won't give you the number, but it's insane. Give him an extension, which to me seems like the likeliest option. I, I assume you agree. Or trade him. And I can't believe this hasn't come up yet more. I really don't. I, I mean, this is the Cowboys, right? How is how is a, a blockbuster gigantic move that would drive so many clicks to websites not actually become part of the conversation yet? I feel like it's going to, right? Because if if you're if you're not going to extend him, isn't trading him for a bounty of draft picks the second best option? Why would you keep him and and convert some salary and give yourself an absolute mess of cap in 2025? The better option then moving on from him, doing something at the quarterback position, maybe it is Trey Lance. I don't know. We don't know how that works. They have him fully guaranteed for 2024. But trading Dak Prescott is not the craziest thing in the world to me right now. He's His stock should be high. He was an MVP candidate, maybe the MVP candidate for the majority of 2023. He's He's done this now for multiple seasons. I know there's a playoff deficiency, but... If your options are acquire Dak Prescott or sign Kirk Cousins this offseason, I think it's pretty close. I, re- I really do think that conversation is close for a lot of quarterback needy teams. So I- I'm not throwing that one out. It's not, I didn't just put that in for clicks, I promise you. I actually think there's a world where that conversation is happening inside of Dallas front offices right now because handing out $200 million guaranteed or dealing with a $60 million cap hit this or next year, which is what the article lays out for you, is not a great option <laughs> for any organization. So uh, it's all bad. Dak, Dak has really got them over a barrel here as he did the first time around with this contract stuff. But this was not a, an easy article to write because every single option is complicated. And I'm not even sure what the best one is. Well, I I know that you didn't do it for clicks because if you did, that would have been the headline. I'm not saying that you shouldn't go and edit that. That's totally up to you. But that would definitely work. <laughs> Here's a thought. What about the Miami Dolphins? Yeah. What, no, the, what about that, the, because well, then exactly. you could swap quarterbacks. They exactly. get cheaper 
and the and the Dolphins get somebody who is yeah he still has question marks but that's also why he's being traded in this scenario that's right but I think has answered more of those questions than Tua has at this point no question and Dallas gets a one year t- one year look at, t- at Tua which is what his contract says right now right. And then yep. if they need to franchise tag him, they can. They love doing that. They love slow playing quarterback contracts. So they, they would absolutely thrive under that scenario. It, it's not crazy. It's not. All right. And I didn't put scenarios like that in there, like, op, you know, trade possibilities. That's probably the top of the list right there is that exact scenario because both teams could benefit immediately from it. Interesting. All right. Well, I have to <laughs> chew on that. That might become a topic on my show. Um, uh, don't aggregate me, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> this is doing this podcast is such a great benefit for me. You have no idea. All right. Let's wrap with a little tinfoil hat talk for a moment. Mm. Will the NFL allow a Super Bowl to exist? We've got the AFC and NFC championship games coming up this weekend. Okay. Will the NFL allow a Super Bowl to exist that doesn't include Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Taylor Swift? I am not one that believes the NFL is scripted. What I am saying, Mike, mm-hmm. is that if it is, we already know the answer. Come on. Okay. Oh, what do you think? Okay. I mean, I already gave you the reasons why I'm taking the, the Chiefs anyway this weekend, right? I'm, I'm betting on Mahomes specifically and Kelsey this time of year as well. The same reason I would bet on Gronk and Brady this time of year. But uh, of course, right? The story lines. I mean, I, I was sitting in a section that was, I don't know, 150 feet from Taylor Swift Sunday night. The majority of the crowd was looking in her box the majority <laughs> of the time. There, there were NFL camera people sitting in front of me. I was down low. Their entire job was to shoot Taylor Swift's suite and not the game that was literally... There was a Shakir touchdown and two Josh Allen touchdowns and a McCole Hardman fumble in the abs- actual corner of the end zone that these camera members standing, none of them turned around, not one second. It was literally happening behind their feet, and their only job was to wow. be on Taylor Swift. All right, so that's how dedicated this whole thing is, right? This is not, it's not like clickbait stuff. This is real. I mean, she is an absolute phenomenon for a league that did not need any more attention. They are already the highest-rated thing going anywhere, streaming or, or cable, you know, television-wise. She's an absolute bounty for this league so if you want to tell me that they fix it so that this whole situation goes to vegas in three weeks i think it's good business (laughs) right i'm just in i'm in on that because why wouldn't you do that you're literally handing yourself an extra billion dollars most likely a billion dollars in vegas because these three human beings will be there for two weeks and have you seen who is uh, have you seen the thought or the conspiracy on the officiating crew already have you seen oh this oh my god no tell me sean Man, smith deep on this. you are drinking the kool-aid i mean <laughs> <laughs> the nfl can pull some strings okay that's all i'm saying okay sean smith is the head official for this game he has the the home teams have the lowest win percentage with sean smith as the head official of any head official in the nfl you mean oh, to tell me goodness. that's not a coincidence I have never been a tinfoil hat guy, but man, it is starting to track with this. I'm, 
I'm in, I'm in my homes for all the right reasons. If okay. you want to bring in those reasons too, it's even more, it's even more, more reason to take my money. <laughs> we'll use, uh, yeah, right. We'll, 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 we use all this information at our disposal and then you do what you want with it. A reminder to those out there, if you're looking for a podcast assist, I am available for hire. I've, I offer everything from commercial and ad production to full-blown podcast production, whatever your business needs, sports or otherwise. I can be your guy. AuthenticAudioPro.com for more details on me. SpotTrack.com for more details on that guy. Mike, always a pleasure. Make sure you hit subscribe and rate the pod. And of course, SpotTrack.com for all the latest in the sports contractual world. Till next time. Go Ravens.